BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. It's the crossover Sports Illustrated's NBA show. Breaking down the latest news, rumors, and everything in between. Here's your host, Chris Mannix, Rohan, and Chris Aaron. Welcome back to another episode of the Crossover Podcast. I'm Rohan Nakhani, joined today by my close personal friend, New York Times best-selling author of the book Blood in the Garden, Spike Lee's friend, Chris Herring, as well as former Celtics ball boy, Chris Mannix. Uh, guys, the NBA Finals have ended uh, a pretty awesome Game 5, all things considered, uh, but the Nuggets pulling away from the Heat at the very end there for a 94-89 win. Their first championship in their 47-year history in the NBA. Nikola Jokic unsurprisingly named Finals MVP. Uh, Mannix, let's start with you, our man on the scene in Denver. Um, just tell us a little bit about what it was like after the game, what the celebration was like. I'm, I'm curious. We We did not... There was no small talk before this podcast. What was the mood like in Denver? How would you compare it to other championship clinchers you've seen? Um, it, it was comparable. Um, it was loud, certainly, inside the arena. And, you know, when I you know, kind of watched the faces of each of the key players, you sort of saw a variety of different things. Um, I, I found it amusing that, Nikola Jokic's instinct after the game was not to, you know, point to the heavens or jump up and down, but to congratulate quite literally every one of the Miami Heat players uh, afterwards. Then when he was done with that, he kind of looked around like, what do I do next? <laughs> um, you know, the emotion on Jamal Murray's face was real. The emotion on Michael Porter Jr.'s face was real. Both those guys, you know, went through a lot to to get to this point physically you know had to to train their bodies to to get to this point um so yeah i mean like it, it was up there with it, with every kind of celebration you've heard in in buildings past for for championships i just thought uh how each of these players responded 
was most interesting because in the case of Murray, uh, you know, this is, I mean, look, ACL tears, we look at them differently now than we did 10, 15, 20 years ago. But, you know, there was a point in the last couple of years where Jamal Murray really wondered if he would ever get it back, if he would ever, you know, be the player he was on track to being. So when you saw him kind of crouch down and the emotion overwhelm him, you know, talking to him a little bit after the game, that that is what was kind of running through through his mind. That was what he was feeling in that moment, the the relief that that he had finally made it all the way back. Um, Herring, one thing that's really stood out to me about this series, now Pace has helped with this a lot, but the Nuggets and all four of their wins held the heat to under 100 points. And now again, that doesn't mean every single one was kind of an incredible defensive performance. Game five was. <laughs> game five was Denver winning the kind of ugly game I think a lot of people never expected them to be able to win during the playoffs. Um, Herring, what did you make a kind of Denver's style of play in this playoffs? And what do you see as kind of sustainable for them in playoffs moving forward? Well, I think what what's so interesting about Denver just generally is it's easy to say now uh, that we can all, you know, we, we all remember like two weeks with two weeks left in the regular season that like every contender in the West had like a flaw. Mm-hmm. And with Denver's, I feel like we were more than anything trying to kind of find one for them. Everybody else had a really obvious one. The Warriors were terrible on the road. The Lakers were still a pretty new team, uh, even though they, you know, they had been winning towards the end of the season. Memphis pick your poison you know it was the injuries but it was obviously the John Morant stuff as well the Kings had never been there so there were so many that you know the Suns and Kevin Durant the Nuggets when I really think back on it it was that they were a pretty average team defensively and that you know really that what that they struggled a little bit in March and you know they were losing teams to teams that they had no business losing to but you know if you go back and look at it and, and Mannix was there so maybe they got into this a little bit maybe they didn't who knows they might have just been bored, to be honest with you. They were relatively healthy this season. They got a chance to play through their growing pains. Uh, Michael Malone, I think, I wouldn't necessarily say to a fault, but if it was to a fault, it was during a time of the season where the Nuggets were allowed to make mistakes, where he was letting Jamal Murray handle the ball and, and take the last shots in games, where mm-hmm. he was really struggling. And I think it was a means of trying to get his confidence back from the stuff that Mannix was talking about. It was a team that had a weakness. They were not a great rim protection team for a number of reasons. It's not really Jokic's strength, but it wasn't a fatal flaw. And frankly, when you look at who they played, for all the jokes and all the the comments that have been made about how easy a path they had, they played against some great players on this run, and they had the most difficult offense in the league to defend uh, because they were so balanced, because if you took... Jokic away in one regard, he could still beat you in another. I mean, you know, he had a 53-point game against the Suns. Like, that's not, first of all, it's, it's difficult to do that even if a team is forcing you to try to beat them through your scoring. But there's just so many other guys on this roster. The depth that this roster had, whether it was Christian Brown stepping up or Bruce Brown stepping up, Jeff Green making plays, Contavious Caldwell-Pope leaving the game and coming back. Aaron Gordon just dominating guys in the post and and also holding up his end defensively with Jimmy Butler. There wasn't a better team in the league top to bottom this year. I think for a lot of the season, we assumed that the Celtics, the Bucks, they didn't even make it here. And the team that knocked them out was really no match for this Nuggets team. They, They took one game in the series. And quite frankly, if I'm being totally honest, and I'm saying this without a bias, I don't care. Uh, Miami, you better be careful. You better be careful about what you're about to say. You you care more than I care about this. (laughs) Miami got gifted a couple of calls yesterday that, like, quite frankly, I was, I was, I was kind of happy that Denver was able to finish the series yesterday because the look that three point shot foul that Butler got. (laughs) If you think it was a foul, if you didn't, I didn't want to see them win win a game that that has the chance to throw that series into flux. When when one team so clearly was better than the other, and and that's no fault of Miami's necessarily. Like they deserve to be there. They fought hard. They played hard. Which to me, the way that they played and competed in that game, where they could have just laid down, to some extent, that's heat culture. 
They, they were playing in the altitude. This is a tough game. They Nothing was falling for them at the basket. Uh, they played hard, but Denver was just a, a, a wrecking ball. And led by Jokic, uh, they won in different ways. Michael Porter gave them nothing as a three-point shooter in this series. He stepped up yesterday in all sorts of other ways that a lot of people did not think he could. So I, I'm really happy for them. I'm really happy for their fan base. But it was a team that had enough chameleon aspects to them that they could win in different ways, and they showed it all throughout this playoffs. Absolutely. And, I, yeah, just kudos to Denver, like you said, winning in different ways. I thought that was the most impressive thing to me about Game 5, just the fact that they were able to win that defensive, slugfest, ugly foul game. I want to talk a little bit about something Mannix actually wrote about this week, um, which is the Denver Nuggets, kind of their dynasty potential. Do you see this team winning multiple titles? Let me start here because I think something that we've seen or something that I think will typically happen in the NBA, right or wrong, there's usually some kind of reaction to a team that wins the championship, right? There's usually some kind of reaction to, well, we're going to need to have to figure out how to slow down this player if we want to win a championship. We, We assume we'll have to go through them at some point. I think if you're in the Western Conference, especially you have to consider... What is our plan for the Jokic-Jamal Murray two-man game if we have to play it in the playoffs? I do think that that's something that's going to have to be on the back of mind uh, of teams. But, Manix, let me start with you. Do you do you agree with that notion? Do you think there's going to have to be some element of every team in the West is looking at how do we slow down Jamal and Joker in the playoffs? Or do you think teams are kind of looking at this like if we had been healthy, you know, if XYZ had happened, maybe we're not so worried about Denver. What do you think? No, I, I think they have to take that mindset. And I think it's more than just stopping that two-man game because uh, I think in the years to come, assuming Michael Porter Jr.'s back holds up, mm-hmm. uh, he's going to be even better. I think Aaron Gordon with another year under his belt in that role is is going to be better. I mean, th- these are not guys you know, that, frankly, are even approaching the age of 30. I mean, Jokic is 28. Gordon's 27. Everybody else is is younger. So there's room to grow organically on this roster. And when you look at the guys on the even younger tier, I mean, Christian Braun, or Brown rather, is, is, is going to – look, that guy was an impact player in the finals. And he's only going to get better in the years to come. So, yeah, I, I think there's a – there is a, a – there's going to be an offseason spent, you know, kind of zeroing on in a ways they can slow – that specific part of the game down. But I think Denver's so much, much more than that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as far, look, their dynasty potential, you know, it's not like just us bringing it up. Like the first thing Michael Malone said when yeah. he was interviewed by ABC or ESPN, whatever aired it, uh, was, you know, we want more. And when he got to the post game press conference, he answered a question that I, I don't necessarily think was about dynasties with, you know, something Pat Riley once said about a team becoming a dynasty. So this is on the forefront of the mind of people uh, in Denver. And look, going into next season, they're going to be the favorite. Like I, I think that's fair to, to say. Mm-hmm. Their starting five is back. They're going to lose Bruce Brown. Like, that's just the way it goes. Even Bruce Brown kind of knows it. Like, everybody on the team <laughs> was like, Bruce Brown's going to get paid and – Bruce Brown's he, talking about getting paid. Deservedly and, so. Yeah, yeah he right. completely I think, deservedly so. I think he told our buddy Mike Singer last night that he would like to stay. Money isn't everything, but I bet players say a lot of things when the champagne is flowing. Yeah, I that, think money, uh, money, yeah. money. Bobby is, Portis stayed to, to his credit, a guy that like that had a like, huge playoff you're, run. You're noting the exception mm. and not yeah. the rule. To- like totally, that. totally. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm right there with you on that. I'm not trying to say that he's going to stay no matter what, but <laughs> yeah. he's a big part of that team. Mm-hmm. He, he's a he's a big part of that team, but um, look, I would ex- expect him to get anywhere from fifteen to twenty million dollars per year, depending on how mm-hmm. crazy teams get um, in the off season. And look, we know the the deal. Denver can't offer more than seven point seven million dollars uh, in a new deal. Uh, it, it would just be just such a big risk mm-hmm. for Bobby Brown to take, or Bobby Brown, Bruce Brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you said Bobby Portis. Right, right. Sorry. <laughs> Um, it would be, it would, but it would be such a big risk for him to take, yeah. and um, you know, you know, it just, I, and that's why I think Denver is going to be banking pretty hard on uh, Christian Brown, right? And, I mean, and they're big Peyton, on Peyton Watson, yeah, Peyton yeah. Watson, and look, they went out and look, they quietly did that deal 
um, with Oklahoma City that got them an extra first round pick in next year's draft because they they know what their situation is. They've got to you know find ways to get cheap talent and and make it work. So it, the pressure is going to be on that front office led by Calvin Booth to find those types of guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say one thing. Real quick interjection. I'm fascinated to see how contending teams start to navigate uh, this new CBA, and I I am fascinated the idea of contenders kind of being forced to work in first round picks uh herring let me let me go to you though what do you think do you think this is the kind of team that could could is capable of going on a run like like manix mentioned they they've also been pretty upfront about this malone it was one of the first things he said last night um herring what do you kind of make of their ability to, to maybe pull off a couple here with joker at the at the helm i, I mean first off just that basic question without any other context of do they have a generational enough player to do that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like I think yeah. Yeah. What, what I'm happiest about is that we can move past this debate, this question that I think was, was kind of a, a bottom feeders question of like, <laughs> is Jokic that good? You can't win two straight MVPs, arguably deserving of a third without being that good. Um, and, and so he answered that question. I think he answered a lot of questions defensively too he was massive defensively in that game yesterday it's not the traditional way we think about we think about a center and the way they defend and the impact they make we can agree on that he's not the most athletic player he would be the first to tell you that he's admitted that to me multiple times in conversations that's not the point but his offensive talent and and his ability to get by and sometimes really impacting him defensively is enough to win them multiple championships if you have the right players around him Jamal Murray is obviously one of those guys that, you know, should spend his whole career alongside uh, Nikola Jokic. I think it's a question here of what do the other teams around the league do? I, I, I think, you know, to, to my confusion, the Lakers waited till really, really, really late in the game to make trades that, you know, Mannix picked them to come out of the West. They actually could have maybe done it had they made moves sooner and gelled sooner to be able to put up a little bit more of a fight against a team like the Nuggets. Would they have beaten them? We don't know that. But they they looked good and cohesive. And, and if they're healthy and they're playing from the standpoint of a, a, a higher seed, it's a big question with how old LeBron is with Anthony Davis's health, obviously. But when you look at that, when you look at a team like the Suns, if they go out and retool, let's say the Suns have an offseason like the Nuggets had last year. And you go out and you get someone who has the impact level of a Bruce Brown or you go out and you trade – I mean, the Lakers have had KCP before. The Suns, you know, get somebody like that, and you've got more depth to your team, and you have a new coach. Crazier things have happened. Uh, the the Celtics, you know, with the second year at Joe Mazzulla, the the Bucks, for that matter, their team's capable of taking aim at them. I'm sure the Warriors don't feel like they should be left out of that conversation mm-hmm. either. There's absolutely teams capable of making a leap to kind of be on the same level as the Nuggets. The truth was there wasn't anybody, or at least not that we got to see them play in the playoffs, that was on their level. And and it's fair to say that I don't think it necessarily guarantees anything about next year for the Nuggets, but absolutely they're capable. I'm really curious to see what team has a quiet but impactful offseason the way the Nuggets had last year that could put them on the same level as the Nuggets. And, it, you know, we, we so often look at the major trades – I remember the day that the, the Bruce Brown stuff was announced, you know, via Woj's tweet or whatever. It, I, I immediately thought that was a massive signing and a perfect signing for them just because you could tell just his his play as a cutter, as a, as a ball handler when he needs to be, as a defender. Wow, that's going to be a perfect fit for them. Did I realize it was going to be a perfect fit to where it helps win them a championship? No, but it made perfect sense, as did the KCP trade. So I, you know, if there's another team anywhere near their level that makes deals like that, I, I think you're going to have to watch out for them. And and also the thing that we, I don't want to say we've taken it for granted. One of the biggest things with this team and why they've been interesting, even when Jamal Murray was hurt, when Porter was hurt, Nikola Jokic has been extremely, extremely healthy and durable mm-hmm. for really at this point his whole career, but certainly. Over this span, where you can he even played think eighty-two about him. games after the bubble, <laughs> or not right. eighty-two, but every game that year, right? I mean, he he's been basically. I think he's been All NBA five times. Like basically that whole run, he's been as durable as just about anybody. And 
you know, if, if at any point that's not true, all of a sudden he's so impactful. Again, I said without knowing anything else about this team, you would say that they're a contender to run it back and to win it again. If he's not as healthy or if he's not healthy or if he has a serious injury the way that most guys do at some point, um, then obviously the, the conversation shifts. So that that's the, you know, that's the biggest thing you have to be mindful of. I don't think it's a given, but that, you know, that's something that we've gotten spoiled with watching LeBron and, and Steph Curry, even after his injury run to start his career. Yeah. Herring, you mentioned how not many people saw Bruce Brown being the championship piece for the Nuggets. I was one of the very few who did. I just want to float that out there. They were my preseason title pick. Everyone. I also called Bruce Brown the best move of the summer. So pretty incredible full circle uh, professional moment for me last night, I guess you could say. (laughs) BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Uh, I want to talk about the Miami Heat a tiny bit. Obviously, make it to the playoffs as an eight seed via the play-in. Jimmy Butler, I think, is just like one of the greatest rounds in playoff history. First round against Milwaukee. They beat the Bucs in five games. uh, Beat them with Giannis. Beat them without Giannis. They come back. They beat a Knicks team in the second round. Their epic seven-gamer against the Celtics. Win three, lose three, win game seven on the road with another great Jimmy performance in that game. We saw him struggle in this series a lot, though, uh, especially I think that that fifth game was kind of a microcosm of the series for Butler. He could get it going at some points, but it just wasn't enough. Um, we saw Bam Adebayo, I think, 20-point games in every game this series. But again, second half of game five, I think he had only one field goal and two points. Um, I you know, some people are like, were the Heat just a hot shooting team, a wacky team? To me, like, I, I'm just kind of, 
I don't understand the point of that discussion. At the end of the day, like, just win playoff games. You know what I mean? Like, people like it's a make or miss league. Like, I'm I'm getting tired of that being the the end point of all playoff analysis. Like, the goal of the game is to make shots. Like, sometimes teams are going to do it more than others. What I really want to ask you guys about the Heat is what? Where do they go from here? Do they treat this team like a team that made a finals berth, or do they also have to respect the fact that they won? only 44 games in the regular season. Manix, I'll start with you. Is this like a is this the the summer where Pat Riley has to go all in around Jimmy and Bam or do they still need to figure some things out? I mean, there's never been a summer that Pat Riley has not tried to go all in. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, dating back to you know, Shaq and the trade that acquired him 15 20 years ago now. Um he's always looking to add pieces to the roster at the expense of draft picks and and whatever else, you know, looms uh, in the future. So, yeah, I, I I expect Miami to once again, go big game hunting, you know, whether that means a run at Damian Lillard, um, Chris Paul, whoever is available. I think Miami is going to try to find a way to squeeze that player uh, onto onto the roster. It, as it always is with Miami, it gets complicated because you you have to look at what they have to deal. Now, they have enough draft picks. They've got their own pick in this coming draft. They've got a few picks at the back end of this decade that they could deal. Uh, but, you know, who on that Miami roster are is going to be the centerpiece of a potential deal? I mean, Tyler Hero is often talked about, but is Tyler Hero someone that, uh, you know, gets teams excited about you know dealing a potential franchise player for I mean that's that's tricky to to do a deal like that but look they're, they're going to keep trying to build onto this and try to keep maximizing this window uh with Jimmy Butler and even look even if they don't like you go into the playoffs next year um and if Miami's still in that same place where they're like a 45 48 40 uh 44 45 win team like it is going to be next level to see the teams at the top of the bracket trying to avoid them in the first round. Like they're just we're just going to be thinking the exact same thing. They're like Miami just to get into the playoffs. Jimmy Butler decides to play. Bam Adebayo ratchets it up. The way they execute offensively with their discipline is is going to be just a challenge in and of itself. Um, they're going to be a tough out, you know. Regardless of what happens this offseason, they've got some internal decisions this offseason. You got Gabe Vincent who's going to be a free agent. Max Struess is going to be a free agent. Uh, they've been very good kind of plugging in play guys, you know, into those spots, you know, with Struess and Vincent, you know, taking the place of others. Kyle Lowry is a year older. Uh, so they've got some internal decisions to kind of make, but, you know, they'll go out there and look for that next big star. And if they don't get them, they'll grind out the regular season. They won't care where they finish in, in the conference rankings. And, when they get to the playoffs, they're going to consider themselves as good as any team in the conference. Uh, so I feel like it's a similar offseason for Miami as it's been for years past. Herring, what about you? Do you think this team is closer to the one we saw in the playoffs or closer to the one we saw in the regular season? I, I mean, I guess I'll say playoffs just because mm-hmm. r- regular season – you know, they were a team that barely even made the playoffs. And and so when <laughs> you're making it to the conference finals and winning them to get to the finals, you were one game shy, one win shy of making the fi- the finals the year before that. It, it seems to suggest, and you, and you made the finals during the bubble year, obviously, as well. It seems to suggest that that's kind of more than norm for you. Um, whether it looks that way or not, it's the truth. I do think making it to the finals without Tyler Hero should give them even less hesitation about trying to find a deal for him. Mannix raises the excellent point, which is like, okay, what team wants him and what are you going to get back for him? Um, when, when you guys were having the conversation about whether Riley, whether this is a summer to go all in and Mannix saying that he always tries to, or at least is looking to, I I'm reminded of this uh, tweet one time that uh, Amin El Hassan uh, ginned up about rich homie Quan and how, essentially all his mixtapes are in in order i go in on every song still going in still going in reloaded i promise i will never stop going in if you ever think i will stop going in ask royal rich i mean this is kind of pat riley's mo it it, it rarely works from the standpoint of getting like a bona fide bona fide star um you know ever since the the lebron years essentially jimmy butler they got 
They haven't really done much since. Um, I, I, I wonder what they it, – it's weird because when you talk from the standpoint of your undrafted guys, that makes up more than half their roster. Uh, although they are very, very, very good players and perfect within their roles, it's hard to consolidate anything into like a trade for a star necessarily. Uh, and Hero's contract makes that really difficult just because I don't think – he and Jordan Poole are kind of in that same – sweet spot if you'd call it that of like sure you hate having to play against them when they light you up but you're not really sure whether you would want them on your team at that money uh because they're deficient on the other side of the ball uh for teams that play pretty good defense when those guys aren't on the court so of course you want to do something um it's difficult from the, for them from the standpoint too of the whole the, the, with the they wanted to maybe make a move for Donovan Mitchell but they couldn't even do it last year because I think there's the rule involving him. Was it the is it the Derrick Rose rule or whatever it is? The the, the, the extension rule's out the window now. It is now, right. but it's yeah. just like, you know, they might have been more involved in other stuff before, but like you weren't going to trade Bam to do that. And so mm-hmm. they've got a really interesting situation. I think Bam showed you something in this finals. I also think that this was a rare uh, sort of opponent from the standpoint of the sort of drop defense that they play was part of the reason why it was unlikely for Miami to ever win the series to begin with is because if you're forcing Bam to be a 25-point scorer, sure, statistically it looks good. He he was a, a huge impact player in the series, a star in the series, but that's also like not the way their team operates generally. When Bam is a guy that you're leaning on to get almost 30 points out of, off of mid-range 18-footers, that's a really difficult series to try to win against a team that has that many offensive Options. So I would expect them to try to do something. Pat Riley always is looking to try to do something. Also, Pat Riley's not a young buck at this point. He's closer to 80 years old at this point. I think he's 78. Um, so I would imagine that he wants to try to, you know, this was as close as he's gotten, you know, in the last few years. But I would imagine he wants to really give it one last shot here uh, somehow. And I would imagine that involves trading for a star. But I don't know who you get that puts you over the top so clearly in the East. They were fortunate to get there this time. They did it, and they deserve full credit for doing it. But would I bet on them again as an eight seed to make this happen again? Like I I would want them to have a better regular season so that it's not as difficult for them the whole way um, to, to climb this uphill battle again. Absolutely. They're, it's going to be a fascinating offseason. Uh, Mannix mentioned they're going to have to figure out what they want to do with Gabe Vincent and Max Drews, which is a perfect example of guys who are – solid in the regular season, but were much better for large stretches of the playoffs. So that we saw Struis kind of struggle again in the finals. Same for Vincent. Um, what do you do with, with contracts for those guys? What if other teams come in with crazy bids? Can you afford to lose them? Um, is Duncan, I do think it's interesting. You look at guys like Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry. I think before the playoffs started, people talking about them as two of the more untradeable contracts in the league. But now after the playoffs, both look in a completely different light. I mean, Robinson was huge in the last two rounds of the playoffs when people thought he'd be unplayable. Lowry is now kind of an expiring deal, but you even saw him have some moments. To me, I'm torn if the Heat need their version of like, obviously they're going to be connected to Damian Lillard. If they need that trade or their version of the Aaron Gordon trade. Because since Jimmy Butler got to the team now, they're number one in the league in playoff wins. Um, they were like neck and neck with Denver in terms of win percentage over the last four years, winning about 58% of their playoff games, which is very good. Um, you know, they have the most finals appearances since Jimmy Butler joined the team in 2019. These, this is not like what really associate with this heat era, but they have had a lot of postseason success. It feels like Jimmy and Bam are very close to being able to get it done as a duo. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure what the kind of right, third pieces around them. I think the we have to look at too is that Jimmy Butler's gonna be 34 in mm-hmm. September. And yeah. Yeah. He, he didn't he didn't look like he had anything left in game five. I mean he mm-hmm. had that like two minute stretch where yeah. he knocked down a couple of threes, he went to the free throw line. I mean he was electric and he gave you the thinking the belief that you know he could help this team to the finish line. But for most of that game his legs just didn't look like they were under him. And and we know during the conference playoffs, they asked a lot out of Jimmy Butler. He delivered, but they asked a lot out of him. Um, can he do that again next year? We know 
you know, he's going to be not a part-time player during the regular season, but he's not going to be this version of Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler during the regular season. I think they have to take a similar approach with Kyle Lowry if he's back next year, where you've got to just kind of, you know, hate to use the phrase load manage, but you have to do that with him, you know, during the year to get him to, to this point. And even if you do, you know, are they going to be the kind of team that can, that can beat back Milwaukee again, that can beat back Boston again? Uh, it's just asking a lot. You know, the, it was it was a perfect storm this year. Jimmy Butler played incredibly. Duncan Robinson stepped into a role he hadn't played months and played incredibly. All the uh, supporting players played well. Eric Spolstra outcoached everybody, you know, during the playoffs. I, I just don't, you know, I, I'm with Herring there. If I was a betting man, I don't know if I'd bet on them being able to do it again. They're going to have to find a way to to make in make it make a deal that upgrades them and gets them kind of into that top four in the Western conference. They're not clawing their way through play in tournaments and, you know, have home court advantage and, and try to do it that way because this doing it this exact way again, you know, it's, it's statistically improbable to say the least. Definitely. Yeah. And, I, and I'll, I'll just add to that. The Butler one is point is a salient one. And it will be very interesting because one of the downsides that comes with playing so many playoff games as they had, they've almost had a, you know, whatever, 66 now, I believe, over the last four years, that adds a whole other season on your body. And Jimmy was already a very high-minutes guy for so much of his career. They, they're going to have to find a way to keep him fresh. I yeah, please address Harry. one thing that you said. Um, you know, I, I think it's a really good question you raised from the standpoint of, like, do you have to go swinging for a Dame type, or can you kind of make this sort of in-between trade, really well-timed trade, like for an Aaron Gordon that the Nuggets made? I think the difference there is that for the Nuggets, offense comes relatively easily for them, and it just doesn't feel like that's the case for the Heat. Not that it doesn't feel like it. It it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they're shooting well, it it comes more easily. When Tyler Hero is out there and has it rolling, it comes more easily for them. But even when they're humming a lot of the times, like their humming versus the Nuggets is just fundamentally different. Yeah. So – I don't know that there's like a fourth score necessarily that you can plug into the heat that makes them the best team in the league. I don't think that they probably need a guy that's a, a number two at worst, a number three right behind Bam that, you know, that that's true. I, I, I guess hero is their number two, but again, the way we are even talking about hero is that again, he's flawed mm-hmm. from the standpoint of if you could upgrade him and get somebody else that has a higher upside than he does offensively, you know, I, I think you would do it if you could. And uh, certainly if, if you could find a way to turn that into a Damian Lillard, I think you would try. I'm not sure they've got enough of what it takes to go get him. Uh, it, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. It's it's not an enviable situation to be in, even though, again, they've been right on the doorstep now of titles, what, three of the last four years from the standpoint of either being in – the finals or one game away from the finals three times in the last four years. So that's hard to do, but I just don't, I don't see exactly what the move is here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I won't ever bet against them from that standpoint, but I don't see what the move is off the top of my head. (laughs) They, they seem to somehow do their best work as a team on the court and a front office with their backs up against the wall. (laughs) Somehow they are usually able to pull stuff out and it'll be interesting to see if, Riley has any rabbits left to pull out of the hat. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. 
Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Yeah, I want to end with just two real quick questions, and I'll start with uh, this one here. Herring, I'll go to you. Just give me one thing you're looking forward to playing out this offseason. What are you kind of most interested uh, keeping an eye on? You know, the draft, only a couple weeks away. We could see some movement starting that night, uh, especially with Portland having the number three pick. So, Herring, I'll start with you. What, what are you keeping your eye on as we head toward the offseason? Um, there's a couple things. I think the, the point guard situation for a lot of these teams is going to be really mm-hmm. fascinating. You've got... First of all, the Irving situation and whatever the hell those reports have been on mm-hmm. that. We were just talking about Dame. Van Vliet just kind of said that he's going to opt out, which isn't a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Paul is another name that, you know, all of a sudden it's like wondering basically who's going to who's going to run the team in, in Phoenix as the point guard is, is a massive question. And one that I think if you answer it correctly in your Phoenix might make them more compelling mm-hmm. in the in the title conversation for next year. They obviously have a good team. They need depth. They need more consistency out of that position. They need more health too. And I, you know, so if they move on from Chris Paul, it wouldn't be terribly surprising. But who are you replacing him with? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm very interested in that question. I think I'm also interested to see what happens directly behind the stuff with Wimbanyama in the draft. Do the Blazers trade that pick? If they mm-hmm. don't. Does that kind of essentially push Dame out the door? Uh, so, you know, again, I think it all still sort of comes back to a lot of the conversation around point guards and the way star point guards in this league are kind of going to shuffle mm-hmm. a little bit this offseason. Manix, what uh, about you? Yeah, please. Yeah, I would, I would keep it exclusive to Damian Lillard because I, I don't – I think trading the pick for Portland would be a mistake. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some of the early reporting that I've seen has Charlotte leaning towards Brandon Miller at number two, in part because they already have LaMelo Ball at the point guard slot. Uh, I don't profess to be a draft expert, uh, but I think that would be a mistake because I've seen a little bit of Brandon Miller, uh, mostly towards the end of his season, uh, and he's very good. I've seen more of Scoot Henderson and I think he's really good. Like, I think he has the chance to be something special. And if he's on the board at number three, you can't trade that pick to get a player that'll inch you closer to uh, playoff success. Because I, I just I just don't think there's a player that Portland can acquire that puts them on a championship level. Not, not during the two to three years we have of Damian Lillard playing at that championship level. And I think if you're the Blazers, if you're going to trade Damian Lillard, now may be your best and last time to do it because he's coming off a season where he was electric. You know, he is still an elite guy. Uh, His contract is big, but 
everybody's contract is big nowadays. I mean, the number of guys are going to be making, you know, 50, 60 million dollars is going to grow significantly over the next couple of years. So it's not like that's this enormous albatross around the neck of teams if Damian Lillard gets banged up. Uh, this this has got to be the – I think this has got to be the year Portland makes a tough call and, you know, says we've done everything we can to do a deal with Lillard, but we're going to talk to Miami. We're going to talk to Brooklyn. We're going to talk to New York. We're going to talk to Philadelphia. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be a, a more, more teams out there that are in the mix, but I feel like this is the year that Portland's got to find a way to – to make the tough decision and and move off him because it's not fair to him really to to kind of keep him around on a team that's not going anywhere and for them it's just time like it's mm-hmm. time to hit the reset button it's time to use that top 3 pick which you you know the ping pong balls fell your way and get the next franchise player and try to build out that way so you know he Damian Lillard if and when he's traded, has the you know, can be landscape altering. Like if he goes to Philadelphia, you know, in a deal that involves let's say Tyrese Maxey and picks, I'm, I'm, man, Sixers with Embiid and Lillard, talk about two competitive guys playing at the highest level. That's 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 difficult. If he winds up in New York, I mean, man, going from a small stage in Portland to a massive one in Madison Square Garden would be interesting to see. You know, for for Lillard. Uh, he can be an impact player there. So uh, he's the guy I'm watching in that situation that I'm going to watch the closest this offseason. Yeah. Uh, all very interesting. I'll just add the Golden State Warriors to the mix. We already saw Bob Myers leave, the architect of their championship teams. Draymond Green has his player option. What's going to happen with Draymond yeah. Green? Um, uh, is this kind of the beginning of the end? Are they going to still try to build around their core three of Steph, Dre, and Clay? You know, Clay's extension eligible. I'm not expecting a new deal for him this summer, but I'm the Draymond thing is going to be really interesting because Bob Myers was a big advocate for him, someone who he was really close to in that front office. Now he's gone. Draymond has said what happened with Bob Myers would have an impact on his free agency decision. So, very curious to see what the Warriors come back looking like next year because I do think they are, in many ways, Steph to me is the most interesting threat. To the Nuggets. And then I'll just end here. I want to end with a question on Denver. Um, only because, hey, they are the champions. It was such a fantastic run. Um, Manix, I'll start with you this time. What what will you remember the most about this Nuggets team? What kind of stands out to you about them uh, when you put them in the context of recent champions? Uh, I just think what stands out is how they were able to take their game to another level in mm-hmm. the playoffs. I mean, nobody pushed this team further than six games um you know Jokic clobbering that Will Chamberlain triple double mark for a postseason Jamal Murray you know he he finished the finals averaging 20 plus points and 10 plus assists the only other guys to do that are Michael Jordan Magic Johnson and LeBron James so he entered a different stratosphere uh Porter Jr. struggled in the finals but you know this team wouldn't be here if he wasn't the player Mm -hmm. he was you know, during the the conference playoffs, Aaron Gordon, you know, continuing to you know slide into that new role and being incredibly effective in it. I mean, you know, kids watching basketball coming up should look at Aaron Gordon's play in the finals as an example of how to be, you know, how being a role player is cool and how being mm-hmm. a role player yeah. can be impactful. What did Aaron Gordon do in this series? He defended and he cut and he he took advantage of mismatches. Like, you know, that's it, that's basketball one hundred and one. And I think his ability to do that, uh, you know, was was remarkable. So really just how, you know, Miami on the Eastern Conference side took its game to another level, obviously. But Denver, even as the number one seed, were able to elevate their games uh, to a different level to get them there. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's some of what Mannix got into earlier, just the stories behind this team between – whether it's Murray and and kind of the stick to itiveness to to come back from his injury, if it's if it's Porter and and his was he had three back surgeries at this point, um, I think about Jokic in the start of his career. He always had talent, but if you go back far enough, you had people in Denver and fans and stuff like that that wondered were they making maybe the wrong call as far as him versus uh, Nurkic, 
when they both were on the same team, which is, you know, a little bit strange to look back at now. But he was, you know, Jokic for a while. People said to him for years and said about him for years on Twitter, everywhere else, he needs to lose weight. Um, And, you know, that's been said about other players. It's been said about Doncic and other guys. Uh, and, And Jokic did it and has basically been the size that he is ever since. And has been a guy that no matter how long the guy plays for, he makes an impact. Uh, he's been one of the healthiest superstars in the league. He's gotten better every year, despite the fact that he's basically the most efficient player in the game. This was the most efficient season of his career, which looking back on it, when we talk about MVPs and stuff like that, <laughs> there were some people that were saying in the moment, and, I, and I'm guilty of not having voted for him this year, whereas I did last year. But they're, you know, the same way that people look back on certain years and they're like, how did this guy not win the MVP? This one's going to be one of those cases that people look back on. Like, we can already say that, given the way that this postseason run was. Um, he perseveres, and he just fights, and he keeps fighting, and he stays with it. Uh, so I just think it's it's a complete team. It's a, it's a story of not just giving up when it would be easy to. It would be easy to let go of a coach when you have this many 45-win seasons in a row without even making it to the finals. Um, instead they, they stuck to it and they took the hard route and, and, and they got it done. And, and now we're talking about the potential of a dynasty. And I, I, my column today on sports illustrated was just about how all that stuff changes in an instant. This was a a work in progress for seven, eight years for this organization. But now all of a sudden, instead of talking about Jokic and like whether he deserves any of the MVPs he's gotten, the idea that like he probably should have had this one too, and the idea that you know for a team that couldn't get it done had never won anything in their in their franchise history, now all of a sudden we're talking about a potential dynasty, and it, it all changes so quickly, so simply. But it was because they stuck with this for as long as they did, mm-hmm. and they made so many of the right calls, and they deserve all the credit in the world for that. Yeah, I'll just say I think what it impressed me the most about the Nuggets is they just had an answer for everything this year, and that is to me the hallmark of a great champion a hallmark of a great playoff team especially you know you think about the heat series alone it's like okay you want to go zone we're going to offensive rebound you to death we're going to put Jokic at the elbow make you defend him with guards you are going to try to blitz jamal murray okay we're going to kill you uh with baseline cuts once your defense tries to scramble um you know defensively it's like you're going to keep going at Jokic like we are going to keep adjusting his depth in the pick and roll and and make you guys take tough shots we're going to stick to your shooters on the perimeter in a way that we didn't in the first few games of the series just everything that was thrown their way they had an answer for it they won defensive battles they won shootouts against the Suns when Devin Booker looked like he was never going to miss again um they just had an answer for everything and I think Jokic individually had an answer for every narrative that was out there about him as a player in terms of couldn't defend. I thought he was the best conditioned player in the playoffs. Um, you know, running up and down the floor in altitude, pushing the ball all the time, you know, outside of the very brief ankle roll in game four, never looking like he was hurt. Just he had an answer for every single thing his critics would say he couldn't do in the playoffs. And I understand the people who needed to see it, you know, the people who needed to see it on the biggest stage. And it just felt like Jokic had an answer for every single one of those narratives. So it's just an incredible run. It's a fun team. I think it's good for the NBA when teams like this win. It just it gives other mid-markets and smaller markets hope, I think, that they can maybe one day pull off a similar route. Um, that will do it for this episode of The Crossover, though, you know, As everyone knows, things don't really slow down in the NBA. The NBA draft is coming up very soon. Jaw's going to get suspended (laughs) forever coming up. (laughs) The Jaw Morant suspension team. (laughs) By the way, there was, what was it, our our Twitter friend Josiah Johnston had the tweet of the night when (laughs) we had some meme meme up there about Jaw Morant waiting to get suspended. I I wonder how long, like I'm going to imagine Adam Silver gives it a couple of days uh but it is that that's like bro you know that's when the news cycle yeah nuggets news cycle breaks when like all the attention goes from denver what it did and bam it's on john Morant. part of me thinks that that storyline is going to be bigger for people than than the nuggets winning which is is is, is, i won't say it's sad because i I also think there's a lot more that goes into jaws thing and and just he you know 
all the stuff that people have said about <laughs> Jokic and a lack of marketability or like, like Ja has been marketed heavily and it was just starting to happen. So now that this is upon us, it's it's gonna get a ton of attention. Yeah. I'm I'm slightly confused that um that the league chose to handle it this way and that Really? Look, I understand <laughs> I, I understand that Adam Silver was doing the media rounds he always does during the you know the playoffs and during the finals it always happens but to basically leave it is just this thing that's just going to hover until after it, it it's just because of that it's all we're talking about whereas it could have been over before this no i i don't i i think he did the right thing because what what was it he said before game one they mm-hmm. basically knew what they were going to do if he had announced between games one and game two for three or four days, that's all anyone would have been talking about. You flip on ESPN, and it would have been too harsh, too light. What do the Grizzlies do? Uh, it, does Ja Morant, should he stay in Memphis? Like, it would have been – that would have dominated this news cycle. It, it just would have. Okay. I mean, fair enough. I, I just think that it, it also would have been over by the time the fi- – like before the finals had ended. And and now – I don't I mean, know. Maybe, if you want to stay in the news cycle and, – and, and also maybe they wanted to stay in the news cycle because they're going to drop the hammer. And if, if that's the – No, I don't think so. I think I think they – if they could, they, you know, snap their fingers and make everybody stop talking about it after a day, they would. They would. They, they were just looking okay. for – they don't that that don't do it during the off season. That, that's my whole point. Because <laughs> now the off season, that's all we have I, I to talk about. <laughs> they were trying to do like they didn't. Like, there's been so much. There's so much attention on how look. It's not Celtics and Lakers and all. Everybody talking about you know smaller market teams in the finals. You drop a bomb Fair. like a John Morant suspension, and it overshadows the games. And and that's a that's nightmare fair. That's for fair. the NBA. They from, didn't from the small market that. standpoint, that's very fair. There's no there's no stopping this from becoming. Having a massive story. Everything John Morant does at this point is mm-hmm. is just oxygen consuming in the NBA media sphere. I still think it's going to be fifty plus. I really do. Like I'll be, the more I'll, I hear I'll make, about it, I'll make my prediction. Like I, I've heard, neighborhood of thirty is the number mm-hmm. that I've heard. Wow, from NBA that would types. be low from where I sit. Okay, um, all right. Yeah, I, I I don't think you know Adam Silver, and we don't need to go off on this, but Adam Silver, look, he's been. Involving the players' union every step of the way in this process, which tells me it's a it, whatever comes down, it's going to be an agreed upon. Not that it has to be, but it will be an agreed mm-hmm. upon number. Um, so that suggests to me it might be a little lower than some people are anticipating. But you know, I think 30, 30 to thirty-five is going to be my prediction for this suspension. Okay. Wow. That would surprise me, but it, it, you know, you're right. And I, it does seem, I don't know. I, I think even the idea of that whole, I don't know, growing up, if, if you hear that story, if you hear that voice from your parents saying, you're going to get it when you come home, this was kind of what that felt like. And the idea it makes it seem maybe more ominous than what it'll ultimately be. It's not to say 30 games is nothing, but it really was sounding like, oh, you crossed us the first time when you sat here, stared me in my face and said you understood and you took accountability. And now you're going to do it right now. You know, during the playoffs, you're going to embarrass us like this. Oh, no, no, no. We're going to come after you this time. That was the impression I was getting that I think a lot of us kind of felt like we were hearing from Adam Silver. But we also haven't seen him have to do this at all. So there's really not much precedent for it from him specifically, not mm. David Stern. If it was David Stern, I feel like we would be seeing 50-plus, and I thought maybe that he was going to invoke his ghost for this punishment, but maybe not. If it's 30, then he's not. Here I was thinking we'd just end the podcast on a light, <laughs> uplifting note about the Denver Nuggets, nope. and you guys are just like, here's nine nope. minutes of Suspension. I'll job never stop job. going in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, on that note, uh, Thank you, guys. As I said, we'll be right back. I'm sure it'll be a busy offseason, at least through free agency. Thank you to everyone for listening all season, and we will be back soon. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. 